speaks to each and every one of you every day. And I believe he wants us to become more attentive to him so that we can step more fully into the life and the purpose that he has for us. And in that way, what's going to happen as a result is we're going to grow in our own experience of God's shalom and his shalom, you know, his life, his peace, his love, his joy, that's going to overflow from us to our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, everyone around us. That's what we're here for. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So I want to remind you of my invitation from last week to take a few minutes, three times a day, each day this month, and ask these questions. What are you saying, God? And where do I see you working? You know, it's, it's kind of a, a mixture of asking God the question, you know, what are you saying so I can listen to you? And it's reflecting on what's happening around me. What, where do I see you working? And like I said last week, as you ask those questions, God might drop thoughts in your mind right away. You might feel like he answers you immediately and you have a sense of what he's saying or doing. But it's just as likely that that won't happen, you know, that you won't feel like you get an answer immediately. It's often as we keep on asking over and over that God answers us in unexpected ways. You know, maybe it's through something someone says to us or, or through something you read in the Bible or, or a book or something. Or maybe it's, it'll just be kind of a, a dawning awareness without ever feeling like you specifically heard something, you'll realize, oh, I... I think this is what God's saying right now or what he's doing. Or, or sometimes, maybe lots of times, you won't feel like you get a specific answer at all. But just as, as you ask that question over and over, you'll realize that you're being drawn closer to God because you're doing that. And that's a good answer too. Amen? Amen. Yep. But whatever you're hearing, whatever you're seeing, be sure to let me know, right? I want to hear from you what God is saying to all of us, where you're seeing him working, because that's part of how he's going to be shaping what he's calling us into as a church. So email me, call me, talk to me, you know, send me a letter, Pony Express, however you want to do it, but let me know what you're hearing. All right, let's pray. Come Holy Spirit now and make us attentive to you, even this morning as we're here in your presence. We know you're at work. We know you're, you're moving among us. We know you're speaking to us. So open our minds, our hearts, our ears, our eyes so that we can see you and hear you more clearly. We just invite you now to, to uh, um, have your way through this sermon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is... Uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. <clears throat> so the question we're asking is, what did Jesus do? And one of the things Jesus did was to proclaim the good news of God. And that good news was that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
You know, the kingdom of God is what you have when what God wants to happen actually happens. That's how I think of it all the time, when what God wants to happen actually happens. And, and what God wants is good, right? It, it's life, it's flourishing, it's rest, it's righteousness, peace, and joy, it's, it's forgiveness and mercy, it's health and wholeness and abundance, it's healthy relationships, it's meaningful purpose, it's love. And all of that is wrapped up in the Hebrew word we've been using for a while now, shalom, right? Shalom is what the kingdom of God looks like. God wants our lives, God wants our whole world to be filled with his shalom. And so when Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying the shalom of God is within reach. It's available. You can experience it if you want to. Now, we all know that the kingdom of God has not yet come completely, right? That's pretty obvious. All sorts of stuff going on in the world. We won't live in the fullness of God's shalom until that day when Jesus appears and all of creation is made new. But the message of Jesus, the proclamation of Jesus, was that God's kingdom is already at hand. We can already begin to experience it and live in it, even in this broken, chaotic world. And even more than that, we get to be participants in causing his kingdom to come. As we look to see what God's doing, as we listen for his voice, as we depend on the Holy Spirit in us, and join God in his work, we get to be participants in having the shalom of God, God's kingdom of God, come more and more to the lives of everyone around us. And that is what it really means to be followers of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Well, the thing about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom is that it is about more, a lot more, than simply passing on information. In the days of the Roman Empire, they obviously did not yet have the internet, right? What? <laughs> How did they live? Um, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have radio, they didn't have TV, they didn't have any of that stuff. So when a new emperor in Rome came to power, uh, he would send heralds out throughout the empire. They would you know, ride out to the various villages and towns and cities throughout the Roman Empire, proclaiming everywhere they went the good news. In other, the gospel, they would say, they called it the gospel, the good news, that a new emperor was on the throne. And this wasn't just about passing along information. When that herald proclaimed that good news of the new emperor, Whatever town or village he was proclaiming it in became legally subject to that new emperor at that point instead of to whomever had been in charge before. You could say that proclaiming the good news is what made the new emperor's rule take effect. Proclaiming the kingdom caused the emperor's kingdom to come. Well, the same is true with Jesus. Wherever and whenever Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is at hand, that caused God's kingdom to come. 
You know, the kingdom of darkness was pushed back, just like the darkness was pushed back way at the beginning when God said, let there be light. You know, when he proclaimed, you could say, let there be light. Like John wrote in his gospel, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness cannot resist the light. When you proclaim the kingdom, the kingdom comes. So as Jesus went about proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, well, what happened? The sick were healed. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. Sins were forgiven. The outcast were included. God's mercy and grace and power and kindness and love, God's shalom was released into this world because Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is at hand. When you proclaim the kingdom, the kingdom comes. When you proclaim the kingdom, the kingdom comes. You know, so many people would say that the point of Christianity is going to heaven when you die. But it's really not. The point is having heaven come to earth. Beginning now, you know, coming into our lives, beginning now and lasting forever. That's the good news of God, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to come, that heaven comes into our earth, the shalom of God comes into our lives. When you proclaim the kingdom, the kingdom comes. So as followers of Jesus, our task is not just to believe the good news, it is to proclaim the good news. And in so doing, we participate with God in causing his kingdom to come. And not just in our own lives, um, but we do it for our families, our neighbors, the people we interact with every day. We want to proclaim the kingdom so that the kingdom comes for them. That's really our mission here as a church. You know, that's why we're here. We're, we're to be a community of people who love God and love others is the way we say it, you know, who are attentive to what God is saying and doing and then participating in what he's doing so that we can grow in experiencing his shalom and help everyone around us do that too. We're here to help God's kingdom come. See, what, what got me thinking about all this um, was being kind of overwhelmed a couple of weeks ago by just the, the chaotic mess of our world. Does it ever just kind of hit you? Yeah, I, I think this was right after the shooting in Uvalde. And I'm thinking, man, you know, it's another mass murder out here, another, you know, another shooting. The war is just grinding on in Ukraine, you know, all that devastation. The polarization in our country is as bad as ever. It doesn't seem to be getting any better. Just as it seems to get worse and worse. I'm thinking, what is going on? You know, everything seems like a mess. I was thinking, where are you, God? What are you doing? And, and, and it's easy to start thinking that God isn't doing anything, right? That, that he's not active at all in the world and, and evil's winning. The darkness is winning. It's just getting worse and worse. But then as I was thinking all that, I was reminded that God is at work in all things, all the time, right? God is at work in all things, all the time. 
And if we take the time to listen to God's voice and watch to see where he's working, we will realize that what appears to us to be simply chaos and upheaval and tumult and uncertainty, you know, just a mess of a world, well, a better word for it would actually be ferment. You know, you make wine and beer, kombucha, I guess, by fermenting, right? Right? And while it's fermenting, I mean, I'm not a fermentation expert, but, but I think while it's fermenting, it's kind of like a bubbling mess, right? It looks like chaos. You probably don't want to drink it at that point. No, wouldn't be good. It's, it's a bubbling, chaotic kind of mess, but it's producing something wonderful, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, God is at work in our world all of the time to produce something wonderful, to produce his shalom. He's bringing the new creation. He's bringing the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like yeast. I was saying about that, oh, isn't that interesting? Because yeast is part of what goes into the fermentation process. You know, it's what makes the bubbling mess. Um, the Holy Spirit's at work, you know, and, and he, God wants us to have eyes to see this. The Holy Spirit is at work causing what looks like that bubbling, churning mess, but it's really, it's the kingdom of God that's coming through all of that. The kingdom of God is the result. It's his shalom, it's his new creation that is ultimately what's going to be produced. So we look at the world and we think, what in the world is going on? Where is God? He said, I am right in the midst of that, right? I am right in the midst of that, and through it all, despite the fact that we don't understand it, the kingdom is coming. Now, that does not mean that everything happening is what God wants, right? Not that it, it doesn't mean everything that happening is will. Do you remember, I think some of you remember, before COVID hit, we had a prophetic word that was just, we picked it up. Yeah, actually, through the National Vineyard Conference, it just was so strong and resonant. What was that word? The wind is coming, right? The wind is coming. The Holy Spirit's going to move across this land. And what happened? COVID hit. Not how I would have imagined the Holy Spirit coming. <laughs> and we said over and over, that doesn't mean COVID is from God, right? It's not. Sickness is a work of the enemy. But God was at work in that mess doing part of his kingdom coming, his kingdom work. And the results of it have been messy. I mean, the results of it have been messy here for the church, right? You know, we're a lot smaller than we were, but we believe that God is at work in this. And I believe, I've seen the good in this of how he is causing his kingdom to come. He is aligning us with what he wants so that what we are doing is his, his, it's his kingdom, not our kingdom, right? That's really what's happening. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. That's what he wants us to see in this world all the time, that we don't become people without hope because we understand it's not just a chaotic mess. It's the fermentation of the Holy Spirit that's at work. So I thought um, it would be a good idea for us to spend just a little time together this morning proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and this ties, I think, into our ability to hear God's voice and see how he's working too. 
I heard an illustration recently that I found really, really helpful, so I, I hope this will make sense to you. I want you to imagine three chairs, like I have on the screen there. Three chairs. Chair number one, we'll say, we'll go left to right, the green one, is the kingdom of God. Chair number two is the kingdom of self. And chair number three is the kingdom of this world. Every person in the world, you could say, is sitting in one of those three chairs. Yeah, those in the kingdom of this, uh, this world chair, those are the ones who just, you know, they don't know God. They're not interested maybe in God at this point. They're still caught up in the ways of this world. Those in the kingdom of self chair, it doesn't mean it's, they're necessarily selfish. It's, it's that they think that what you do makes you who you are. So you are the center of all things, right? What you do makes you who you are. Our identity is rooted in ourselves when we're in this chair. It's in our own efforts, our own actions. And the reality is a lot of us Christians sit in this chair probably a lot of the time at least. You know, we're trying to believe the right way in order to behave the right way because if we think if we do that, that's what's going to make me belong. And it's an exhausting chair to sit in, right? It's an exhausting chair to sit in. Chair two is the place where fear and anxiety have a lot of power over us because we think everything is up to us. It's hard to hear God clearly from this chair because we're always wondering if I'm doing it right or, you know, if am I good enough or am I really hearing God or is it just me because we think it's all about us. And then there's the kingdom of God chair, the shalom chair. That's where who I am is rooted not in what I do, but in who God says I am and what God has done for me. I am his beloved son, right? I'm his beloved daughter. This chair is a chair of rest and receiving all of the grace, all of the love of God that is ours because of Jesus. And then what I do in this life, because I still do stuff, but it's simply the overflow of who Jesus has said I am, who God says I am, and all that he has given to me. See, this is where Jesus wants us to live. This is the kingdom of God that's at hand. And it's from this chair you can live that pattern of life that I used for a series a few months ago where we rest, receive, respond, and rejoice, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, you can move between the chairs. I think most Christians who maybe, you could say, live in chair two, still experience chair one now and then, right? You know, we're in a great worship service or just a really good time with God. You feel close to him. But then life scares us back to chair two, and we go back to thinking it's all about us. It's all about what I do. We live like orphans who are on our own instead of like sons and daughters who know they can trust their God, their Father. Well, Jesus wants us to live in the kingdom of God chair. Amen? Yeah. And the key to living there, or one key to living there, not the only one, but a key of living there is proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, that doesn't just mean saying over and over again, the kingdom of God is at hand, like that's some kind of 
uh, what do they call that? Mantra, right? That's not, not what I mean by that. It's proclaiming what that actually means because as we proclaim it, it becomes real for us. Uh, and then it overflows from us to others. So we're going to proclaim that good news by proclaiming what God says to us in Ephesians 1. This is a passage I go back to again and again. I, I just find it so helpful. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would cause more of God's shalom to come into our lives, to fill us as we proclaim his kingdom now. So I'm going to have some verses on the screen. And I, what I want us to do is just read the verse together, and I'll comment before we go on to the next one. So um, first one, Ephesians 1.3, let's do it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you understand what that's saying? It's saying that what is in heavens has been released to you now, can come into your life now in Christ. Think of joy, think of peace, think of love, think of, you know, every concern you have. He's saying he has blessed you already in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You take hold of that one? Yes. Okay. So you proclaim it, and you keep proclaiming it, and it becomes more and more of a reality for you. You're speaking it into your life. Next one, verse 1-4, one, or 1-4. One, says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So you are not a mistake or an accident, right? You didn't sneak into the family of God. Um, you, aren't, you aren't like here because of, you know, you tried hard and won your way in or something. You are part of God's family because he chose you before the foundation of the world. Can you rest in that? He chose you before he made the world. He looked ahead and he said, I want you before the foundation of the world. And what he's doing is he is making you holy and blameless. That is the person he is causing you to become. It's who you already are in Christ, really. It's who you are, and he's just fleshing it out. Next one. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Again, he decided beforehand to adopt you. And it's, it's sons in all the versions because when this was written, it was sons who inherited. But you could put sons and daughters now because we've moved past that, right? So sons and daughters. The point is that you inherit the kingdom. That's the point. He adopted you into his family. He chose you. See, and do you understand here too that if this is true, what do we have to worry about, right? God, the creator of all things, has adopted you into his family and said you share in the inheritance. It belongs to you. 1-6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
Another version says, freely bestowed on us in the beloved. But he has, um, he has, another version says he's lavished on us. There are all different ways of reading it. But the point is, his grace has been poured into your life. The undeserved, unmerited favor. You didn't have to earn it. Your life is a wash in the grace of God. Seven and eight, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. That's where lavish comes in. I knew it was somewhere. So yeah, so he lavished his grace on you and redeemed you by his blood. This is, so why do we walk around filled with guilt and shame, right? Why? We have redemption through his blood. Does he want you to grow into holiness? Yes, he does. But has he redeemed you already? Yes, he has. And we are already forgiven and redeemed. And this is a basis of who we are. We don't have to do something to earn it. Last one, I think this is 9 to 10. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. He has made known to you the mystery of his will. Did you know that you know the mystery of God's will? You know, people say, what's God's will? It's like, here's his will. He is bringing all things together in Christ, and he has shown you that so that when you look at the world, you don't wonder what's happening. You don't wonder why it's chaos, or you don't wonder if evil is winning, because it's not, because he is bringing all things together in him, and that is the kingdom coming that we stand on. Amen? Amen. Does this make sense? See, this is a good practice to do, too that you go back over this, this is proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. This is proclaiming what the kingdom of God means for you. And you can take this and proclaim it over and over, and as you do, it will root your identity in what God says about you, and that will overflow into the lives of everyone around you. So, encourage you to do that. When you proclaim the kingdom, the kingdom comes. Amen. So, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together.